Paul gets busy sometimes, but it's good to have him. All right, good to see all you smiling faces and and uh, hope that they're looking in the Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse, uh, we'll look at verse 1, maybe verse 2. We'll, we'll, Hebrews chapter 12, once you find that, it's on page 197 in the New Testament. Uh, our, our Bibles, our few Bibles start with page 1 in Genesis and start with page 1 in Matthew, so it gets kind of confusing. So, But it's in 197 on the, the, the back half of the Bible. And uh, if you found that, then please, won't you stand with us, those that can. All right, follow along in your translations. I'll read in King James. Wherefore. Now, you know, if there's a therefore or wherefore, we need to look what it's there for and what's, what, what is wherefore, therefore, so we can know what we're to understand. He said, wherefore, seeing we are also are compressed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, I believe those are the ones that are Christians that's gone on before us and certainly speaks about the ones in Hebrews chapter 11. Let us lay aside every weight. And last week I said if you want, underline the word weight in your Bible. And the sin, singular, underline that if you will, which does so easily beset us or hold us back or keep us uh, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your truth and your word. And, Lord, today we want to open up and receive freedom from the bondage of guilt, the bondage of regret that Satan uses on us. It's there, but some people just can't seem to have freedom. Lord, today we want to learn how to live a guilt-free life. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, a weight is not necessarily a sin. A weight is something uh, that can be good, it's, but it's something that occupies our time, and usually it's something that takes uh, time away from God or doesn't let God be in first place. That's a weight. And many of us got those in our lives. They, you have to identify those for yourself, whatever they are. They may be hobbies. They may be sports. They may be uh, curricular activities. Whatever they are, there's a weight. And then sin. Now, sin, uh, as I look through this group, basically we sin is something that we know we shouldn't do, but yet we go ahead and do, or something we know that we should do, and we just oh, uh, don't do that. That's a sin of omission and the sin of commission. And so that's what happens. Many of us don't struggle as much any longer with sin in our lives as we do maybe with weights. All right, many people are carrying around the weight of guilt, the weight of guilt or regret for, uh, for whatever reason. Guilt and regret usually falls in one or two categories, and here's the reason. Number one, it's something that you've done in the past. Something we've done in the past, we carry that around. We talked about that last week. We're just doing a recap. Or the second category is something we're doing now on an ongoing basis, and we just can't seem to gain victory over it or victory from it. Something we've done in the past or something we're doing right now that's ongoing. I mean, you, you try not to, but it seems like we just keep doing it for some reason. We just can't grasp that victory. It's, just, it's right there, but we just don't get it. Now, that's guilt. And because of those two categories, guilt or regret comes into our lives. But both of those usually become a stronghold or, if you will, a weight, as a prophet of Hebrews, uh, writer of Hebrews said, 
Lay, lay aside every weight and sin that's so easy to be said. Hold us back. Keep us from living the life that God's created us to live. Uh, whatever weights in your life, I, I don't know what it is, but you do. And if you're honest enough with yourself, with God, God will show you what that is. Now, I'm not talking about or referring to living a sin-perfect, uh, mistake-free life. Uh, unfortunately, that's impossible. Uh, especially, how many of you here are married? How many of you got kids? How many of you got grandkids? How many of you are breathing? <laughs> you got problems. You, you're going to live it. I, I, it's unfortunate, but you're going to have it. That's just one of those things. It happens. There's nothing we can do about it. Psalms 51 tells us that David's feelings uh, and the steps are principally used to free himself from guilt. And in Psalms 51, we'll find those, and we'll compare to those uh, from time to time. Now, David is the king of Israel, and he's got everything, I mean, anything he ever wants, all he has to do is ask. He's financially taken care of. Uh, he's got whatever he wants to eat. I mean, you know, everything is got. He's got chambermaids that take care of the cleaning of the stuff. I mean, it's, he's, he's got the perfect environment. He's got everything. And yet he committed a sin with Bathsheba, and he tried to hide that sin. And he tried to hide that sin by committing murder. And the Bible says, and this is what they say about David, he's a man after God's own heart. He's a man that, that uh, tried to follow God, obey God, listen to God. He's after God's desires. And yet he still messed up. He still made mistakes. He still sinned and tried to cover them up. And then we find that he's confronted by his sin, by the prophet Nathaniel, uh, Nathan, about his sin. And we'll apply these principles then to our lives that will help us or cause us or will allow us to live a guilt-free life. Principle number one. We looked at this last week, but we're going to recap on it. Principle number one, know the source of your guilt. Where does guilt come from? It's in one of two areas. Remember, it's something we've done in the past, and it's usually based upon uh, bad decisions or a series of bad decisions, or it's something that we're doing now, currently, and we just can't seem to grasp the victory over it. We want to, but it just we may have even asked God to help us, but it just seems like we're just not winning. And the, so you've got to know the source of guilt. Guilt or, re or regret comes from one or two places. It's only one or two places. Number one, it's a conscience. A conscience is something that we're all given. It's usually a, a, a something that God uses to let you know right or wrong. It's how you're raised. But a conscience is affected or developed by the society you grow up in, by the culture you live in, and, and by, by the family you're born in. Whatever is right to you, uh, it, it may be wrong to somebody else. Conscience. You've got to watch that conscience. The conscience leads to depression every time. All right, conviction, or excuse me, conscience is that God-given ability to know right from wrong. Conviction leads to confession. Conviction says, hey, you need to confess what you've done. That's one thing that the Christians have over everybody else. We have the Holy Spirit living within us that says, man, that's not right. What you're thinking about, what you're planning on doing is wrong, is not wrong. And then once you do it, conscience leads you to depression, but conviction can Conviction says, hey, listen, now you need to repent. You still feel guilty, but you can repent, and you need to repent and, and go to God with your, your thing. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit, makes us aware of our sins. Uh, 
Consider the difference, if you will. Let's look at it briefly. The difference between conscience and the difference between conviction. Conscience always brings about the feeling of guilt or regret, and it, and, and it leads to depression. People get depressed. Conviction brings about awareness of sin for the purpose of, of bringing us to repentance. Uh, repentance is a change of direction, a change of lifestyle. Repentance, too, too often people mistake repentance with, with remorse. Otherwise, they, they're remorsed over being caught. They're remorsed over that. For example, how many, now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, have ever had a blue light special outside of Kmart on the highway? I have. And you know what I did? Now, you probably didn't do this, but this is what I did. For the next couple of weeks or so, I slowed down, made sure I was doing whatever that speed limit said to do. And then the next thing I know, I'm driving her van. It likes to go fast. And, and I'm going faster than the speed limit. I look down and say, whoa. You know, then I begin looking around. Did anybody catch me? What was the difference? Did I repent? No, I was just remorse over getting taught and paying $200-something for a ticket. You know, I, I, you know, that's remorse. That's not repentance. You see, conscience looks at the, con uh, the consequences uh, 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 usually comes after we sin. Uh, like I said earlier, I've, I'm convinced conviction usually comes before we sin. But conscience comes after we sin, and we look at the consequences and say, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. That's one reason it could be very depressing. Yeah. Uh, then conviction causes us to realize how it hurts others, but more importantly, how our sin hurt God and breaks his heart. All right, no the source of your sin. Is it coming from your conscience, or excuse me, source of your guilt? Is it coming from conscience, or is it coming from conviction? If it's sin, then we have to take the appropriate action that the Bible says to Christ. And we'll go into that briefly. But then we have freedom through confession. Conviction draws repentance. Freedom comes when we're willing to confess our sins. Sin is, uh, see sin as God sees it otherwise. And there's too many Christians, folks, today that don't see sin as God. You know how I know? Because I'm one, and here's one of the things we say sometimes. Oh, it's just a little white lie. You know, it's just a little something that, that it's really not that big a thing. And after all, it's okay to cheat on my taxes. I mean, the government's got enough money anyway. Look the way they spend it. You know, so I can fudge a little here, or I can fudge a little there. And, and after all, you get five more miles than the speed limit. Why not squeeze out six? You know, or seven or ten. You see, you see, we sin is sin. Sin is breaking God's law. Sin is breaking God's heart. Sin is something we know that we should do, but we don't. And sin is something we know we shouldn't do, but we do it anyway. Confession of sin is when I see sin as God sees it, and it brings me to repentance. And then I deal with it honestly. That's the only way. You see, sin breaks God's word and breaks God's heart. David took responsibility for his sin. David took that responsibility. He stepped into it and he said, look at, look at the verse, verse 3 of Psalms 51 on the wall if you want or if you're in your Bibles. For I acknowledge my what? Transgression, my sin, my, my uh, 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 sin against you my mistake i did it and my sin is ever before me i look at it and i say oh man david's saying my sin is hurting god 
my sin hurt other people. And if you read David's life and you know it, his sin affected him, his sin affected his family, his sin affected his nation. His sin affects more than we think we can with it, and we can't. Verse 4, against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. He said, I want people to see and hear you clearly. I want people to know clearly that, hey, this is sin, and because it's sin, you know, we, I, I've, I've sinned against you. I want God to get the glory. True repentance and victory starts when I see sin as God does. It's when I take responsibility for my actions, and true repentance and victory starts then when I, with an honest and humble heart say to God. When I say to God, God, I've sinned against you, and I ask for your forgiveness. I've sinned against you, and I ask for forgiveness. That's, where, that's when it starts. That's where we have true victory. That's when we begin to gain victory over our sin. Principle number one, know the source. Does it come, your guilt, regret, is it coming from your conscience or is it coming from conviction? Number two, freedom through confession. Confess your sin. And number three, renew, or I like the word better, restore our fellowship with God. We need to restore our fellowship with God. Many come to the Lord and confess their sins, but they never grow in their relationship with Jesus. Many people come, make a public profession, pray, ask God to forgive them, and, and then confess their sins. I'm a sinner, and God forgive me, and, and I accept your love and cross. But they don't grow in their relationship with him. They, they struggle all their life. And lack of spiritual growth then allows Satan or gives devil the opportunity to use the tool of guilt against us. And it's an effective tool. It's, it's a time regret. And, and guilt can come into our lives and cause us problems. Cast not me away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He, David says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Remember when we first got saved, it felt like a, a, a ton has been lifted off of us. We first got saved, we thought, man, this is great, this is wonderful. And then just after we've been saved a couple of years or four or five years or However long you've been saved, you begin to say, man, I just ain't getting anywhere. What is this? It's lack of spiritual growth. And, we're, and we're, we need to restore our relationship with God and uphold me with thy free spirit. It comes, the Holy Spirit lives within us. He'll never take it away from you. Uh, he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And you, you can't. David is saying, I want to walk in fellowship with you, Lord, because I am not strong enough to, to handle all this by myself, and there I can, uh, I can do nothing within myself, So I'm, uh, but what I allow you to do in my life. That's what he's saying. I, uh, whatever I allow you to do in my life is what is going, is the only thing I can do. I can allow you to work in my life. I can't fix everything. I can't change everything. I can't, I, I can't have victory over guilt and regret if I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to work in my life. Many people struggle with guilt because they aren't in church. They, they, they're not in that fellowship with the Lord. There are, there are many struggle with guilt because they aren't reading his word on a regular basis. I, I'm not talking about reading chapters a day. I'm talking about even if you read, open the Bible, read a verse. Many struggle because they're not reading on a regular basis. Uh, many are, uh, struggle because they're not praying on, uh, on a regular basis. 
and they're not and are they're not involved in a ministry they're not serving God on a regular basis and because of that you begin to struggle with the guilt and the regret and that's what happens in our lives I guarantee it I, I guarantee that's one of the problems the devil makes us feel guilty so we won't have fellowship with our Christians or serve the Lord he makes us feel guilty and and uh, and there's probably many of us in here that feel guilty today or have felt guilty in the past. We have regret. And following the principles of God's forgiveness will set you free from guilt. Number one, learn or know the source of our guilt. Where does it come from? Conscience or does it come from conviction? You see, conviction leads us to confession, which leads to repentance. And once we've repented, we'll stop feeling convicted. Conviction goes away. Once you confess the sin, you see, and that'll bring about that feeling and knowing we have been forgiving. And that's one of the precious things in life, to know and feel that we've been forgiven. But, you know, we still struggle from day to day because sometimes I just don't feel saved. Have you ever been like that? Sometimes I think, man, why did I think like that? Why did I act like that? Why did I do those things? That's not how a Christian's supposed to be, and, and, and yet I struggle with that. And it has, it gives that a problem. But to get that feeling of being forgiven and to know that we're forgiven and, and uh, understand acceptance. And conscience always leads us to regret every time. There's not a doubt about it. Principle number two, honestly confess our sins. That brings about confession. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all. That word confession, basically, in the simplest form, you look it up definition, it means I'm agreeing with God and God's word that my life, my thoughts, my motives, whatever is not in accordance with God's word, my actions. They're not 100% in accordance with God's word. I can take bits and pieces and make my life fit together and make it look just wonderful, but I can't fool God. I can fool you. It seems like our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, said you can fool some of the people some of the time, part of the people part of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time, and you can't fool God ever because he knows the truth. Otherwise, we agree with God, and we stop trying to make excuses for our sins. And ironically, we were talking about this today in Sunday school, and that's what happened. Make excuses. That's just the way God made me. I can't help it. Flip Wilson made a living by saying the devil made me do it. Well, at least he was more honest about but, but it was a choice that he took. We are human beings, and God makes us different. You know how he does and makes us so special? He gives us the freedom of choice. And principle number two, uh, three is restore or renew our fellowship with God. You see, the more time we spend with someone, the better we begin to know them, the better we understand them, and the stronger our relationship becomes with them. It, 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 it's a fact. That, that it just, that's what happens uh, the, with friendship relations, marriage relations, uh, employee-employer relationship. It, the, longer, the more time you spend with somebody, the, the more you know about them, the more they know about you, and the stronger that relationship becomes. And there are times people have followed all three of these principles. They, they understand, they've learned where that this, their regret or their guilt comes from conscience or comes from conviction. Uh, they, they understand they, uh, the freedom of, of forgiving, their, uh, of confessing their sins, and they understand the importance of restoring their relationship with God. You've done all three, and maybe you're sitting there today and say, I've done all three, I still got guilt and sin in my life. I understand. 
because the same thing has happened to me at times in my life. And it's because he hasn't applied the truth of principle number four to our lives. The principle number four is accept God's forgiveness. We know about it, but we haven't truly accepted it. We haven't applied it to our lives. Why is that such a problem? I think it's a problem because of that main reason we haven't done anything to earn it. You know, if I got to do something to earn that forgiveness, if I, I uh, whatever it may be, if I got to help you or serve you or, or pay you money or, or buy something for you, then okay, then, then yes. And if we're not careful, we apply that way of thinking all into our churches. I see if I read my Bible en enough, if I pray enough, if I give enough, if I serve enough, those are important things and things we should do, but that is not going to get rid of the guilt and the regret we have in our lives. You, you cannot do that. If we could just do it over or say it differently, it would make a big difference. But the truth is there is nothing we can do to receive God's forgiveness, and David knew this truth. Look at verse 16. For thou desirest not sacrifice. You know what? I, I, I just won't eat for three days, and I'll pray and fast the whole time, and I'll read my Bible, and I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I won't watch television one time, and, and I'll read the newspaper, or, or uh, won't read my emails, or look at Facebook. He said, I don't desire, God, you don't desire sacrifice. Else would I give it, thou desirest not in burnt offering. I can't even buy something to go offer it to you. Uh, I can't give enough, uh, serve enough. He said, not. For that's how it applies to us. David, they took an offering and they burned it. He said, you don't have a birth offering. Then the question comes, to my mind and possibly yours, what does God want? What does God want then? If he, He's not going to take our sacrifices, our giving up, or doing, what does God want? Verse 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and concrete, concrete heart. O God, thou will not despise. He's saying... He wants you to have a humble spirit, a broken, humble spirit. God, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against my family, against my nation, against whatever that your sin falls into, and against self. And God, I, I, I need your forgiveness. And David knew that way back in those days. In Psalms 51, when he was confronted with his sin, he realized he had been living with guilt, and he, he's determined it came from conviction now, not from conscience. He's uh, freedom to, free to confess that, and he honestly accepted that responsibility, renewed that source, and now he's learned to accept God's forgiveness. Not just to know about it, but to accept it. Man, how could God ever forgive me for the things I'd done? I'm glad you asked, because he's God. That's why. God forgave me for all the things that I had done and still do from time to time because he's God and he knows. And Jeremiah 29, 11, we look, God knows the plans for you and they're good. They're not of evil. He's got a desire. He's got to fulfill. If we obey his direction and not obey man's, if we obey his direction and not follow us. You see, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart. He wants us to humble ourselves to God. Once we do that, then we're truly accepting principle number four. We're accepting God's forgiveness. We're not just 
intellectually know about it, we're accepted. It's like believing in God. John 3, 16, for whosoever believeth in him, believe, trust in, rely on, cling to, has a whole greater meaning than just say, I know there's a God. Hey, I always believed there was God. Maybe you did too. I heard about him on TV. My family never went to church. I heard about him on TV. I always believed there was a God. I, I, I heard God's name spoken, and I learned at a young age God's last name. Some of you will catch that. I grew up in bars. That's how I grew up. I, we didn't go to church. But I still said I believe in God. But I didn't put my trust in, cling to, or rely on the God that created me, the God that created this universe, the God that created you. And David is saying there's nothing I can do to earn your forgiveness. He's just like you and I. He, like us, must just simply apply it to our lives. Principle number five, now that we know about <coughs> where our conviction, our guilt and regret comes from, whether it's conscience or conviction, and we know that there's confession, our freedom in confession, and we know that we need to restore our relationship with God, that's a very important thing. And what do you do? Let me add something to that. You know what I have found to do the best thing in the past? is when I get derailed, when I get to going and I miss a step and I get out of line, when I get to doing that, I'm not coming too close, I don't want to hurt him. <laughs> when I'm doing that, I have found that what I need to do is go back where I got off track, back to the church, back to God's word, get back on the path that God told me, get back on, and then I can restore my relationship with God. Number four, I can accept, number four, I can accept his forgiveness. And number five, I can now focus on the future. You see, we cannot undo what's done in the past. One of the best poems I like, probably one of the fewest poems that I got from memory, is we can't go back again and change, <coughs> well, I can't remember it now. We can't start over again and, and, and with a brand new beginning, but we can start today and form a brand new end. We can't start a brand new beginning. We can't go back. But we can't start today and have a brand new end. You see, we must quit looking at the past and look to the future. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, and you hear me re respond to it. I don't always quote it correctly, but you hear it. It's one of my favorite verses. Brethren, I count my, myself to have apprehended. He said, I don't have it all down yet. I'm working on it. Bear with me, but this one thing. And uh, you know when I think about that one thing, I see that, that actor on, on City Slickers, uh, Palace, Jack Palace, you know, uh, hold up his, he said, what's the, what's the secret to success in life? He says, and one of the other guys with, with uh, Joe McCray or whoever was with him, I not McCray, but one of the other guys said, a finger? Just one thing, one thing. But this one thing I do, I can't remember four or five things sometimes. I have trouble trying to accomplish five or six or ten things. I try. I can't keep all the balls in the air. But there's one thing I can do, Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind, forgetting my past, and reaching forth unto the things which are before me. Now, that forgetting is an interesting thing. I struggle with that. I said, how, how is it? I said, I'll never get as spiritual as Paul, and that's a true statement, and have victory where I can forget the past. 
And Paul didn't forget it either. He wrote about it often. He said, hey, I blew it. Hey, I, I, I persecuted the church. I had people killed. I put people in jail. I broke up families. I broke and thought I was doing right. I thought I was doing it for the good. I thought I was doing it for my nation and to keep my nation free. So he didn't forget what's he talking about. He said, I have made a decision. I'm not going to let it hold me back. I'm not going to let it keep me from looking to the future. I'm not going to stop me from serving God from this point on. Made a mistake? Yes, several of them. Lots of them. You know, welcome to the club. I told somebody this week, hey, he said, I, my life's just a bunch of mistakes. I said, welcome to the club. You're a human. And I'm the president of the mistake mess-up club, you know. Uh, it just happens. He says, it's one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. He, I just don't stop doing nothing. I get back on track where I miss that step. You know, that step right there I just missed. And I get back on it, and I say, man, I can get right on here. God forgives me. Whoa, I can go. I get it. Was that better? Uh, and I, I missed two steps the first time. Uh, all right. Uh, unto those things which are before, I look into the future. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, the most important thing to me, besides pleasing her and number one, serving God, but the most important thing to me, is one day I want to hear, welcome, my good and faithful servant. I want to be faithful to serving him. I want to hear that. Then, like David, we can praise and serve him. Look at verse 15. Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. You know, that's why Donna said, look, I need you to stand up. That wasn't on purpose. I need, <laughs> I need you to stand up. I just didn't want Don to be the only one with patches on it. <laughs> you know, Why? Because our lips don't open when we're sitting on the premises. You know, we need to stand on the promises. And open up my lips, David said. Lord, open up thy lips, or my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. I can sing it. I can shout it. I can celebrate. What do we do on Sunday morning? We're celebrating what God's done for us during the week, what God's done in our life. We celebrate that. We can give God the praise. You know what? We can't all sing well, but we can all clap loud. Can we? Try it. Let's see if everybody can clap. See? And God hears that. And there's a song Frank sings called The Clapping on the Nail-Scarred Hands. When, when the janitor empties the trash can, when those ki children worker back there talks to those kids on their level, when the nursery people work with the kids and sacrifice their time and and, and, and again, when a Sunday school teacher something, God says, do you hear it? Can you hear the clapping of the nail-scarred hands? And that's exactly what David was saying. He just said it differently. He said, I'm celebrating. I can complain because I've got that forgiveness. I'm over. Principle number one, know the source of your guilt. Where does it come from? Is it conscience or is it, is it conviction? Number two, Freedom through confession. Confess it. Take responsibility for it. I blew it. I made the mistake. Nobody made me. It was me. I did it. Number three, renew or restore our fellowship. Your fellowship. My fellowship with God. That's what he wants. That's what he made us for. Number four, accept God's forgiveness. Don't just know about it, but accept it. And number five, Forgetting those things which are behind, looking unto the high calling, the high, the high prize of God. Look forward. Look to the future. Focus on the future. What are you looking at today? That's why you got guilt and regret. 
Let's look to the future, forgetting those things which are behind. There's one thing. There's one thing. We can all do one thing. Whatever God's got to serve us, let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we stand and give you the glory and praise you, we thank you, Lord, for your love, your mercy, your grace. Thank you, Lord, that we can have a regret-free, guilt-free life. And, Lord, it's, it's there. It's not difficult. We just need to learn to accept it the way you want us to accept it. And Lord, let us come forward today and we'll let a man pray with a man, a woman with a woman. And Lord, not that we want to know everything they've done. Just let them ask God to forgive. Whatever, forgive them and, and then get that forgiveness from the other people if it's necessary. And, and then, Lord, maybe there's someone here that is not 100% sure. Let me, let me ask you, with every head bowed, every eyes closed, I want to ask you this one question. Now listen carefully. How, how many here today, if you were to die as soon as you walked out that door, or maybe like Cindy Townley's dad died in church, didn't make it, how many of you today are 100% sure you go to heaven? Other be some doubt. If you're 100% sure you go to heaven, raise your hand. Amen. Amen. See, that's important. Now let me ask you this question. Put your hands down. Let me ask you this. Those that you raised your hands, when's the last time? You took somebody else down the Romans road, used a, John, a track or a word of God, John or Romans. When's the last time you told someone that they can have this wonderful thing? That's when the last time you said you need a good, moral, convicted life. That, that the Holy Spirit. We just need to catch them and let God clean them. The Holy Spirit will clean them up. When's the last time? Now, with every head bowed and every eyes closed, let me ask this question. While you're thinking, let me ask you. How many in here are not 100% sure that if I die, I'd go to heaven? I'm not 100% sure. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to ask anybody to walk to you. Just raise your hand up. I just want to pray. Amen. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, you've seen the hands, both that were and both that were not. And Lord, for those that were not, let give them that peace, that comfort they need. Let them get the information. We'll be glad to show them from your word. It's not joining the church that saves you. It's uh, uh, That's a good thing. But it's only from your word. You sent your son to die on the cross just for them. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for forgiving me as a sinner. As best as I know how, I ask you to come into my heart and take me to heaven when it's my time to go. As best as I know, Lord, I accept the truth of your word. That you died on the cross. That you rose the third day. And that you love me and I'm special. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time. If you prayed it with me just now. Those that raised their hand weren't sure. Just slide your hand up. Amen. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for these people that are here today. And Lord, we can live a guilt-free life. It's too often we struggle with the past. And we don't apply principle four or accept that forgiveness. Know it in our hearts that it's the truth. Lord, let us be guilt-free today. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you come? Whatever God spoke to your heart about, maybe if you'd like to come forward for salvation, uh, tell people that you prayed that prayer today. We'll come. Won't you step over? We're not talking about joining a church. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. 
If you just come, we'll be glad to uh, work with you and give you some material to help you. Maybe you want to come and say, Lord, I've, I've messed up in the past. Maybe you want to pray by yourself. Lord, I just blew it. Oh, I, I made mistakes. And I ask you to forgive me, Lord, of my mistakes. And, and Lord, I accept your forgiveness. Whatever it is. And if you are looking for a church home and this may be the place that you want to serve, then we'd love to talk to you about that too. We'll let you know we're not perfect. But we know the one it is. We don't have all the answers. But we got the book that does. May take us a while to find it, but it's in here. Amen. I trust you did what the Lord had. Let me let me show you. Apply these principles into your life. And Satan will get less and less be able to use guilt against you. And you can live that regret-free, that guilt-free life. And I know how important it is because maybe you, like me, as a teenager or a young person or a young adult, just did some stupid things. You know? And... Uh, but there's one thing I do. I like old Jack Palance. There's one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching forward to them. If you think you've apprehended, Paul said, if you think you made it, if you think you got it together, wrong answer. You don't. And you're not going to in this life. But there's coming one after that we will have. I'm going to ask Brother Jim. He'll close us in prayer. He'll bring you the mic, Jim. Thank you for coming. We appreciate you. If you've got any questions, just be glad to talk to us. We're glad to help you. Well, Father, we Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship in your house, and especially the last two weeks. The messages that Brother Rick has brought us have touched us deeply, especially me, with some of the, the things that have gone on in our lives and the fact that we cannot change what we have done but we must accept them and ask for you for the forgiveness that your son died for 
we believe that uh, that is the most important message that we can have, and it's touched us all. Thank you very much. Guide us through the week, and we look forward to worship next week. Amen.